This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. You've probably heard about this by now, I would hope so. If you're on social media, you almost certainly heard about it. But over the weekend, the Society of St. Pius X, a priestly fraternity with what's called a, a regular canonical status with Rome, which essentially means they're in kind of legal limbo. But Francis has said they're not in schism, okay? And the Vatican has, in the, since the 1980s at least, said on the record something like 24 times that they're not in schism. And yet many lay commentators insist that they are under their own authority. The same crowd who says submit, submit, submit refuses themselves to submit to Rome on this question. But anyway, over the weekend, the reactions to the consecration of the Immaculata, the new building built by the... Society of St. Pius X in St. Mary's, Kansas, which happened on earlier in the week, the reactions to that started coming in, and they're very entertaining, to say the least. I heard from some people asking, were the trad commentators? The trad world was silent on this. No, they weren't. They didn't live stream from it, but I assure you, and he probably ha I'm making this a few days early, but I assure you by now, Dr. Taylor Marshall has probably gone onto his YouTube channel to tell you all about it. He was there. I saw the pictures he posted on Twitter showing that he was there. In fact, he took one of himself with Kennedy Hall, another traditional Catholic YouTuber who was there. And Mr. Hall came from Canada. All the restrictions there are right now that are still there for entering the United States, he managed to get in. There were other trad commentators there as well. So the traditional world was not exactly silent on it. And if you were on social media at all, you saw all the different you know, articles being posted, the five-and-a-half-hour liturgy video that was posted. You can say many things, but the trad world was not silent on this. I, myself, and my wife had been planning to go. But then on uh, April 19th, a tornado hit my town. And we are now dealing with the consequences of that, including limited internet access and all sorts of other fun things. So we were not able to go. And it probably is, for us, a weird blessing anyway that we didn't go because... When we heard that the liturgy was going to be five hours long, we both knew that our barely verbal autistic four-and-a-half-year-old son would not have made it through that. It would have been very, very disruptive for him, to say the least. But anyway, I was with you in spirit. And the, the liturgy, the consecration ceremony, was beautiful. And it really was a look back into how things really were in the church. And to say the place was packed to the rafters is putting it mildly. People came from, well, internationally for this to happen. The consecration was done by Bishop Bernard Fillet of the Society of St. Pius X, one of the four bishops consecrated by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre in 1988 in the aftermath of the Assisi conferences and a lot of rigmarole from Rome going back you know, to the 70s. Bishop Fillet was one of the bishops consecrated by Archbishop Lefebvre, and he was present for the consecration. And there was a funny story that came out in the aftermath of this, and it was pretty simple. Francis apparently doesn't understand where the Society of St. Pius X got the money from to do this. Because this uh, cathedral, it's not a cathedral, technically, but it's built to look like a basilica, and it looks like a cathedral, like an old-fashioned cathedral, because the building is enormous. And Francis doesn't understand where they got the money to do this from. And there's some good reasons for that. You may have heard, if you've been watching my content for a while, you know that the Vatican is not doing the greatest when it comes to its finances these days. The Papal Foundation the and the various other funds for fundraisers for the Pope 
get ignored now by the laity. They barely bring any money in. The collection baskets in general at a lot of parishes now are nearly empty or at least hurting financially. And people have found other ways to tithe to the church, to do their duty, to, to financially support the church. But have found ways to do so in ways where their questionable bishop, if they have one, or the Vatican don't get a cut of the funds. And so Francis doesn't understand where they're getting the money from because the Vatican has been cutting positions for the lay employees, telling the various cardinals in the Roman Curia that they have to start paying out of their own pocket for their housing, and of course, doing some other unsavory things involving looting monasteries and things. This building was not cheap, to put it mildly. $42 million price tag. And that got a lot of attention. And I think the best write-up of this is a very short piece from Gloria TV. And so we're going to turn to that here now and have a look at it because, <laughs> I'm sorry, I this whole thing really shows how out of touch the R Rome is on the question of money, the state of the church, and what trads really want. Headline from Gloria TV. Bishop Fillet consecrates biggest Pius X church and Francis had a question. Yeah, I bet he did. Yeah, Francis had a question about it. <laughs> you see, Francis doesn't understand how they could have built something that cost the staggering amount of money that it cost. And in the grand scheme of building large buildings, it wasn't the most expensive building we've ever heard of being built. But in terms of buildings for the church, this is the most expensive one built in quite some time. And in these relatively lean times, a lot of people are asking, well, where did they get the money from? And the answer is they got the money from the laity. How could the laity be willing to pony up money for building a new building when the Vatican is basically broke to the point where they're forcing withering groups of nuns, their religious orders who are dying on the vine, basically, to go into retirement so they can sell off their property to pay their bills? I don't mean to laugh about the nuns, by the way. It's a general question because they don't, they can't see the forest for the trees. Let Bishop Fillet answer the question for you, and I'll give you some more afterward. From the article, quote, Bishop Bernard Fillet consecrated the Immaculata Church in St. Mary's, Kansas on May 3rd. With over 1,500 seats, it will be the largest Catholic church in Kansas and the largest Pius X church in the world. It is 40 meters high and over 6,000 6, square meters. The style is an approximation of a Roman basilica, somehow neo-Victorian. During the homily, Bishop Fillet mentioned that Curia Archbishop Guido Pozzo once approached him and said, Francis asked me, where do they have so much money from? Fillet replied, all the buildings that we buy, that we build, they do not come from so much money. They come from the faithful who have the faith. The Immaculata Church costs $42 million. The cathedral in Los Angeles, arguably the ugliest cathedral in the world, cost $187 million. End quote. So I have a simple suggestion to Francis and to any bishops who really have this question of why they can't meet their fundraising goals, and yet somehow the SSPX in a few years were able to raise $42 million despite having a canonically irregular status, and despite all the propaganda from them, or towards them rather, from organizations that are, you know, claim to be defending Catholic Orthodoxy, yet often go and defend the Vatican and tell people in the Vatican position on things and go after the SSPX and say some of the nastiest, unsubstantiated things about them. 
despite all of those barriers, the SSPX were in a relatively quick amount of time able to raise the money needed to build this thing. And it's a very simple, a real simple thing here. How were they able to get it? It's simple. They teach the Catholic faith. That's it. They teach the same faith that our grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 400 years ago. They teach the same faith. That's it. They have preserved the sacraments. That's it. They have offered the same Mass that has been offered basically largely unchanged, with, of course, the exception of the pre-1955 Holy Week, which is an entirely different issue. But essentially, they offer what we now call the traditional Latin Mass, a form of the liturgy that developed essentially organically from the time of the Apostles all the way to the present day. And anybody who tells you that the Tridentine Mass came out of the Council of Trent doesn't know the first thing about liturgical history. They don't. They don't know the first thing about it. But that's it. The SSPX are a society of priests with, technically speaking, three bishops right now, not counting the not counting Bishop Williamson, who have dedicated themselves to preserving the faith. Receiving the faith, teaching it to their priests, and passing it on to the laity and to, the, and to future priests. That's it. And because of that, because of that very simple thing they, they have done, despite all the consequences that have come from Rome, and now it looks like from the U.S. government and other places, because of that, the laity have been generous, given them the money to build a large building. And this isn't the first, this is only the first of these large buildings they're doing. Apparently, there's a couple other of these in North America in the works. I suspect they'll be successful too in fundraising and building those. Why? Because despite, if you, they've, they had to have received donations for this from people who would have to have drive very many miles for many hours to get to the nearest SSPX chapel. And so the, here's my cautionary word to Rome on this. If you want to solve your fundraising problems, teach the faith. The same faith that our forebears had. Get rid of the innovations. Teach Catholicism. Not this weird stuff that came after the council. Whether you say that's the spirit of Vatican II and the council was just implemented badly, or if you are like me, believe this stuff is part and parcel of the council. Whatever your position is on this, the solution is to simply teach the same faith that our forebears had. Stop with these liturgical, this liturgical nonsense. Stop waging war on the faith. End your alliances with the, some of the most evil organizations in the secular world. End all of that nonsense. Stand up against them. That's the hard part. Yes, doing so will cost you money. Lots of it. You will no longer get funds from Cardinal Zen's oppressors. You probably won't get more money from the U.S. government in the, in the form of contracts for the charitable organizations where there's a small tithe that the charitable organizations pay to the bishop who, and then the, out of his entire coffer, a small amount of that goes to Rome, that money will probably dry up from the U.S. government, from the German government, and a few others. And these are the very rich donors countries to the Vatican. That money will probably dry up. But in the long run, it will be more than made up for by the generosity of the laity. And why is that? Because all we want is the faith. It's not that we don't want to give to the Vatican. What we don't want to give to 
are the modernists who are running the Vatican. But when the faith is restored unequivocally, and there's a good holy pope who cleans house and makes it clear that the ape of the church is gone, guess what's going to happen? We will open our wallets to donate to the mission of the papacy because that is our duty as Catholics. When it becomes clear that this is over, that the crisis in the church has gone on for many decades, that predates Vatican II by many decades. After all, there were popes writing in the early mid-19th century about some of these errors showing up in the among the priests. When those errors are taken care of, you'll see your financial situation in Rome taken care of too. But of course, I'm arguing that making this point to revolutionaries. And after every revolution, two factions show up that are from the revolutionaries. There's always some, a thing approximating a conservative faction and something approximating a progressive faction. There always is. You can look at any post-revolutionary society, and that happens. Happened in Vatican, too. And the best of the bishops there hold to some degree to some of the revolutionary ideals. And so they may not be totally open to it, but I have to say. And while Bishop Fillet is not personally my favorite bishop of the SSPX by a country mile, he's not wrong in this statement. The money came from the laity. And, there, and he didn't say much about why that was. But it's obvious. Because the SSPX are dedicated to preserving the traditions of the faith. To preserving the same faith that we always received. Yes, I am pro-SSPX. I'm also pro-FSSP and pro-Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, and pro-diocesan traditional Latin Mass, and pro-traditional Mass offered by traditional religious orders. With the caveat that as long as those priests aren't only offering the Mass, the traditional Mass, but then ditching the actual Catholicism for this newfangled, easier-to-swallow ambiguous stuff that have been we've been given over the last several decades, I am pro-them too. I don't get into the politics of this, and I don't think you should either. Yes, people are very passionate about it. I'm not saying these aren't important issues that need to be debated among the bishops and clergy involved, but that's up for them. In this time, we must do what the priests of the society have done. Preserve the same faith we were given. It is up to us. So that one day, when the state of the world settles down, and the state of the church settles down, we can do our duty, and that is to open our wallets and support the mission of the Pope. When, because at this time, we don't know if what the man the world sees as Pope is doing on any given time is something that is actually in line with the faith. And that is a sad statement. But the consecration of the Immaculata was beautiful. I hope you went. I wish I could have gone. Natural disasters have a way of upending your life. <laughs> Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. If you got all the way to here, by the way, let me know if you want another sermon from Archbishop Lefebvre. There's many of them out there. I have a few on my channel already. I will happily do one in the next week for one of my weekend videos if you want. So let me know. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.